the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast, the show dedicated to bring you the news from the oil patch deep in the heart of Texas, with your host, Ryan Ray and Josh Shelton. We're back with the Texas Oil and Gas Podcast. We appreciate you tuning in. This is episode 118. I'm your host, Josh Shelton, with my friend and co-host, Ryan Ray. Ryan, man, we uh, we got a busy busy day today. We have a guest coming on uh here, here in just a few minutes and it's been an interesting week man we've had some talks about the cruise and, and a lot going on how's things been on your end well it was good um but you know I, I gotta break some news here on the show we talk about sergio and how great of a reporter he is so i had to deal with sergio when he moved to houston that i would take him to a restaurant down there downtown houston called culture one of my favorite restaurants to go and so i've been waiting and waiting and waiting um to get down there and just <coughs> hmm, sorry for various reasons, hadn't been able to go. So last week, I go down to Houston to tell Sergio we go out to culture. And he gets on his Instagram. And he reports it, because we talk about the accuracy of his reporting. He reports it as if he had culture on my recommendation, omitting the fact that I was there with him at dinner. So I, based upon that alone, I think we have to start questioning the accuracy of his reporting. I mean, it seems like the pivotal detail of that dinner was that I was there. I mean, what do you think, Josh? Yeah, much more important than what he was eating, whether it was good or anything like that. I mean, you had TMZ outside, you had the paparazzi, and he omits that I was there. Maybe, maybe, maybe it was out of respect, but you know, Sergio, just the facts, man. Just report the facts. So, no, that was good. Went down to Houston, um, had culture, which if you haven't had culture, it's right by the ballpark, one of my favorite places to eat in Houston. Um, but Josh, we have a ton of view, reviews, and... I've had several people message me and said, hey, Mount Rushmore. And so we we had one listener who proposed to put his face on as the four spot. Um, and I had someone else that they're just trying to help us get there. So thank you for all of that. Um, the commies at Apple, they're trying to keep the man down. So we need more ratings and reviews. So five stars and some pretty verbiage helps us out a lot. We had what? Four come in, Josh? Four, I think, this week, starting with the uh, the old Mr. Hicks. This podcast does a great job of hitting the hot topics and news of the industry. Highly recommended. Kyle Peters um, says, really enjoy the entertainment and insight. I listen on my commute, and it always, feels, it always feels like time well spent. Sean R. Haley, I don't miss an episode. Very factual informative information that prepares me with conversations with topics needed for weekly meetings. And this is Sean Haley with LineQuest LLC 2016 Future Industry Leader 2018 Oil Field Services Company of the Year. That's something we haven't mentioned in a while. If you put your company info in here, you get a free shout out. So five stars company info, you get your free shout out. So LineQuest was the 2018 Oil Field Services Company of the Year. Sean Haley there with that. And then this last one is TFTV. Seven five, five stars. Great source for all things oil and gas. Informative, up to date topics. Gives me something to look forward to on Mondays, and it's a great way to start your week in the oil, uh, work week in the oil patch. Thank you, everyone. We need more. We need more. We need more. We're trying to get to that Mount Rushmore spot. And you know, the folks at Apple, the last thing they would want to see is Texas and oil and gas in the top four. So please, please, let's stick it to them, and um, and show them that you know, hey, we're we're out here and we're serious, Josh. Oh. Oh, oh, I didn't, I didn't tell about this, Josh. So, uh, we talk about feedback, right? And uh, so, last week's guest caused a little controversy. I think I don't know. Did you have anybody reach out to you about it? 
I had a couple of people reach out. No, uh, no controversy though. I had a guy that reached out, wanted to go to lunch, talk about it. Yeah. So I had a couple people reach out, and they were not very pleased. Um, I say they were very pleased. They said the last week's guest was informative, and so we should probably reset here. Our guest, we have a couple policy with our guest. One, um, and I think we we follow this to the T almost always. We don't ever interrupt our guests, Josh. We don't interrupt our guests. So they come on. We pretty much always try to let them talk as long as they want to talk because they're here. They're the guest. Um, We try to treat them with respect too. We're not really a debate show as far as stuff like that goes. Um, So we try to let let them say their point. And even if we disagree or whatever, we might slightly you know, tweak something, but pretty much we'll let them get their, their vantage point out. We have a limited, we have what, uh, 15 to 30 minutes on the show to record. So people don't realize that sounds like a lot, but really when you get into it, it's really not a lot. So last week he did say some things that were, um, that were of interest, but we didn't get to them. But the prophet of doom himself has spoken. Speakner, the prophet of doom has come out from the lurky shadows and, um, and says, uh, so this is our Speakner says segment of the week. Your guest was interesting with his geopolitics, but when it comes to economics, he appears delusional or just full of it. We'll put it nicely. He says frackers break evens are, uh, this is, um, so Speakner is saying what the guest last week said. Frackers break evens are 35 to 40 and on course with Saudi Arabia. Above is the Dallas Fed breakdown, which I believe is also full of it. We'll put it nicely. This is the PG show speaker. We got to clean it up here, buddy. If frackers break evens are as low as our, as our, as our guest or Dallas Fed says, then tell me why every quarter 90% of frackers are losing money. And he goes on to say a little bit more. So the prophet of doom speaker has poked his head out and said, you know what? Shame that man. Shame him. And um, the sad part is, is some of the stuff that Spinger said I actually agreed with. So th- does that make me a bad person for agreeing with the prophet of doom himself, Josh uh, Spinger? I don't know, man. Uh, Spinger, that's that's he got quite a quite of a pessimistic look on the industry for the next two years. I hope Spinger's wrong uh, in, in a lot of ways. But you know, some of that stuff with break even prices, uh, a lot of a lot of folks, especially people that are in the industry, they don't really understand that term that verbiage and what it entails and how that actually applies to the industry so um definitely sympathize with speaker there but overall i think uh i think it was it was definitely a good show i had a few people like i mentioned reach out to me that were interesting interested in the guy and some of the books that he had written and uh they may go and check him out yeah i think we're talking offline i think kind of at least I think you agree with this. What we said was he seems to have a pretty interesting grasp of a lot, a wide array of knowledge of what's going on around the world. But at least as far as it pertains to our industry, he doesn't get below, it sounds like, the talking point. So some of these things like break even, um, you know, when he's talking about last last week about, um, you know, U.S. dependence on foreign oil, I don't think he fully had a – if he did, he kind of omitted – his logic so it didn't sound like he was fully in tune with that but listen he's welcome to come back on we're thankful he came on we're always thankful to all of our guests that come on and we're thankful for the audience feedback so um, Nate will link in our LinkedIn information in the show notes so you can connect with us there um, 318-599-9192 is the bat line and or texasonguestpodcast.com I'm looking at Nate right now Nate we didn't have anything through the website this week did we Okay, so nothing to the website. So, okay. All right, Josh. Well, that was great, but love the feedback with listeners. It's always good to get it. Um, So let's get into the rest of the show, though.
Okay. Uh, right before we jump in, Ryan, do we want to say anything about the cruise? Oh. Uh, I had a couple of people that asked me about that in some of the meetings this yep. week. Yeah, I'm glad you brought that up, oilandgascruise.com. This is only, I know Nate said we has a few signups, um, long way to go. This is only your name information so that um, Nate's saying 10. So we got to get to 250, which is 10 is a very fractional percentage, and 250 is a small percentage of our listening audience. So, um yeah, obviously people wait to sign up. You're not signing up. You're not paying anything. You're not committed to anything. You're just saying that you're genuinely interested in going and knowing more. Um, don't sign up if it's something that you're not, you know, you wouldn't want to do. But if it's something you, you think you might want to do, then go ahead and sign up. Um, we've got, what, three weeks left to get this done. If it happens, we'll start the process of actually saying, hey, this is where you sign up and commit. But um, if, if it's not of interest, then we'll move on to something else. So thank you for that, Josh. Oilandgascruise.com is the website. All right, moving on. Uh, we had a, you know, we used to talk a lot about Mexico, Ryan. We joked for a little while we were going to change it to Texas and New Mexico oil and gas podcast. Um, the Mexico at the time was having some issues. They were, I think, a, there was a presidential election going on and some changes going on in some of their policies. Uh, there were some companies that came in and started doing work for Mexico and. Uh, according to this article that we're looking at uh, today, there are these companies that about $3 billion worth of payments for contracts that are in limbo. So these contractors are not getting paid for the work that they've done. And so it's creating uh, quite a bit of tension between uh, Mexico and, and, and U.S. and the U.S. companies that have been doing some work there. I mean, there's tremendous opportunities for uh, the two countries to come together and, and both to profit really well. But uh, current regime there, the current president and, and the policies are making it very difficult for there to be some progress, good progress made. Yeah, and it's no surprise. If you go back, we talked about this. We said, hey, um, we were encouraged by Mexico's new policy, which I say new is what, 2013, but their newer policy compared to the history of Mexico that, that was allowing foreign companies to come in there to invest, to do things. But then when you change it, we were kind of concerned. What's going to happen? You know, um, companies that are wanting to invest. And this, you know, this is kind of that classic example of, I mean, I hate to say he told me so, but I think we told him so on this one. You know, <laughs> you know, if you, the problem here is really government policy coming in, messing things up and changing things. Um, when you have companies who are sitting there willing to put their money on on the um, on the line, you you it, it it's it, it creates instability not only for this time, but if, let's just say I, don't, I think Mexican presidential terms are six years if I remember correctly. But uh, let's just say it's six for argument's sake. So he's been in for two, I think now. So four years from now, they have a new president or whatever the term up, and they go back to the old policy. Well, if you're going to look to invest millions of dollars down there, you're going to say, okay, is Mexico actually going to um, go back to the the policy before the previous president or or every president or every you know 10 years? Are they going to flip-flop? So from that standpoint, it also creates instability because you might can work this deal out and you might go back under the old policies in three to four years. But I think long-term, you need the stability of the free market to come in and say, this is where we think that things are headed. Um, if foreign companies want to come in here and invest, this is where we want to go. The final thing I said, I said on an Energy Week podcast, I said on here, um, and as pertains to Venezuela, and I would say to all these developing nations, they need to give the minerals back to the people. Um, giving the minerals to the people is one of the ways that you can spur on economic growth. Um, and there's all kinds of things that happened. For our listeners that, that listen to this podcast will understand this. 
you know, as landowners become more and more savvy, they understand better ways to negotiate the contracts. They understand different ways, different angles they can take. We have landowners that listen to this podcast because they're curious of what's going on because they're out there negotiating with oil and gas companies uh, because they're creating wealth for them and their families. Um, giving the minerals back to the surface owners as it stands now would create wealth and opportunity that isn't presently there in Mexico or developing nations. And so um, it's something that these 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 socialist company, countries don't want to do, but it actually would create a lot of wealth and a lot of job opportunity um, because then all of a sudden you'd come in and you'd say, okay, well, uh, this is the Shelton Ranch. Here's how we want to negotiate this. This is so-and-so's ranch. Here's how we want to negotiate this. And there's all these ancillary things that come along with that we don't think about. You know, culverts being put in, roads being built, uh, power lines being put out there. So um, aside from the reforms, which need to, need, probably need to go back place these countries need to consider seriously giving back the minerals to the people yeah and you know the people that did put their money up uh on, on this deal it's going to make anyone hesitant even if the policies were to change um who's going to want to go in and, and put you know three billion dollars you know for for their stuff um at, at this point I, i'd be nervous if, the, if there's a new president that was all for it you know few years down the line it may get reversed and i may have money on the line that i'll never get back so that's right and um, the other thing on the u.s side of things right now regardless of your your trump stance um on what he's doing right or wrong while he's in office as a u.s company you have to believe that he is going to probably go to bat for you to get your money back on some level um because that's kind of been his narrative um however if the u.s wins change um and, and you have a democrat president who might not be as adversarial as trump is you might lose it on both sides where the Mexican laws have changed and they're not in your favor. And then you might have a president who is also not wanting to go to bat for you. Um, obviously, Governor Abbott here in Texas is going to bat for the, the, the folks here in Texas. But but so it's, it's really you also have the U.S. side of things as well. If you had a uh, much more different person in the White House, it might might not have the support you're looking for there either. Hmm. Well, uh, article came out, Oil and Gas 360 today, or not today, it came out August 12th, U.S. shell output to rise to record 8.77 million barrels per day in September. This is uh, reported from the EIA, uh, the numbers, and it shows that we're, we're going to be uh, at record um, at record output in September. So uh, there's something that we've been expecting for a while with all the, the news coverage. Uh, some people may be surprised to know that we're, you know, we are about to, to set, you know, break records here in September for, for oil output. Some of that has to do with some coinciding uh, pipelines that are coming online so that uh, there's, you know, more availability to transport the oil, but uh, it's good news all around, I think. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see, as the rig count goes down, um, where the production, how far after the production falls off as well, and this kind of goes to that that duck debate. You know, will the ducks come online? Um, if so, when are they going to come online? And how many ducks? As we talked about the show, are there actually? So I, I'm not I'm not exactly sure where I fall in on this, Josh, because I'm, I'm trying to pull up right now. So a quick a quick look right here. Um, Oh, I hadn't looked at this recently. I'm looking at the drilling info uh, rig count. So if I go back to July 18th, according to drilling info, so that's a month back, there was 999 rigs, and today there's 968 rigs. It looks like we bottomed out at 965. Um, so, and we dropped 17 rigs in the last week, if I'm reading this correctly from drilling info. Okay. So, 
you know, you go back from a month ago, we're down, was it almost uh, 30 something rigs or um, whatever it was there. That doesn't, you, you expect the production to slow off on a service level, but as we know, you got to get the rigs out there, you know, and then when the, as you, the, as the, as the uh, wells come online, which takes a little bit of time, that's going to increase the numbers. And then the, and then the ducks, you know, when do the ducks come in? How many ducks are there? I, I think that's going to be the interesting thing to see. But if the rigs keep going down, um, I think Harold Ham, who I don't know if I told Nate this or not, but I know he's listening. So we need to get, try to get Harold Ham on the show. But um, I think Harold Ham said last week he's wanting the number to be around 800 rigs. He thinks 800 is kind of the magical number there. And I know there's some debate about that. That's what I'm interested to see is, you know, when do the rigs go down, the price level off? But it feels like, with all that being said, that the price is really being dictated more by um, fear on the economic side than actual production numbers but because because i'll say this the api last week released the thing that said that july had the highest uh crude oil demand i believe it was since july 2005 so the demand on some things is still there it's just um it's just the price is still kind of soft so anyways I, I do think the rig thing as you're saying the rigs are going to go down and then, then eventually you'll see the um you'll see the production level start to fall. But in September, it might peak. October might be a slight drop-off. But the rigs keep going down eventually. it's gonna it's, Unless the ducks come on, it's just going to come down. And, mean, and then what do the prices do? And at that point, we're going to be looking at the, you know, what's going on in China, the economy, things like that, going, okay, is the economy strong? If it is strong, the price should start to rise. Um, if the economy is weak, if the trade war is still going on or it's more severe, then you might see uh, um, the price continue to be soft into next year. And it's just curious as to how much um, efficiency per well has, has increased and how long it'll take for the decrease in rig count to actually cause the decrease in the production. Uh, tracking that's going to be certainly interesting. Uh, Epic announces initial crude delivery into Corpus Christi. So we've been following this Epic line for quite some time. Uh, this is the, uh, the Y-Gray pipeline, which is a 24-inch. It is taking, it went online and it's delivering um, to Corpus. So 400,000 barrels of oil per day. It goes to multiple uh, refiners um, in, in the Corpus area. And uh, it's pretty interesting to see that uh, middle of the year next year, the 30 inch line that Epic is, has been working on is gonna complete and they're gonna transfer this line back to a natural gas um, um, NGL line. So it's going to be interesting to see that too because right now they're running oil through it, but middle of the year next year they're supposed to, or even first quarter, they're supposed to try to switch it back to an NGL as they prepare for this 30 inch line that's uh, supposed to come online. Even though we've literally done nothing for this project on a tangible level, I feel like this is because of us. I mean, this was episode one and we talked about this pod, this, this, this project and we have been faithfully covering them for was 115 episodes now. So, I mean, congratulations, Josh. Congratulations, Ryan, Nate, technical guest podcast listeners. I feel like we're really the reason this thing got done. Um, <laughs> yeah. Nate, Nate yeah, says we, President Trump allowed it, allowed it because of us. Ex th th Nate, thank you. I forgot about that. I forgot about that. Nate, with the astute comment that, yes, we I think we, we begged, uh, I say begged, we don't beg anybody, but we we threatened President Trump with you know fear of re-election if he didn't get it done, and uh, he got it done. So, 
Um, the, the real question is when do when does Epic send us a check? That's I haven't got my check yet. I don't know. Maybe Nate, maybe Nate's got them. He's holding them. But Epic, you're you're welcome. Yes, you're welcome. <laughs> you're welcome for um, getting this done, and um, we'll continue to be there beside you as you get the more projects done. But Josh, I mean. You know, yeah, I, I need a trophy as well, like the MVP trophy or something, like along with the check, you know, something to put on the wall, like a gold medal maybe or something like that. You know, yeah. I tell you what, I tell you what, if we get the top four, we'll consider putting Epic as the fourth Mount Rushmore because they're episode one, plus a small donation That's from Epic. Idea. Small donation from Epic. Yeah. We'll talk about that offline. But uh, yeah, seven figures, seven, seven eight small. figures, something like that per 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 host. <laughs> host <laughs> but no i did see this it's good to see and you know, you remember this story this epic story is kind of interesting because um and they all kind of get tangled in there but it's a deal where um you know there was the natural gas line and they they converted it back for oil use for temporary and stuff like this so it is good to see that these pipelines are going online and large in part to the text long gas podcast is the main reason for that so kudos to us well, we had a, another one. Uh, the New Star receives first shipment of Permian crude oil at Corpus Christi Terminal. Uh, so these things are going to be uh, inter- intertwined uh, a bit. But uh, New Star is connected with the Plains um, line, the Cactus 2 pipeline. And it has been transported 500 miles to this new export facility. So New Star, new export facility received this first shipment. So these are the things that I think are contributing to the expectation of rising production uh, next month. Well, you know, it's interesting here. Sean Strawbridge is quoted. And it, I believe that we asked Nate to get Sean Strawbridge on the show, Josh. But uh, it's funny, oilandgas360.com got him, but, you know. Uh, or, 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 I'm sorry, the Houston Chronicle got him, but but we hadn't got him. And so um, it's disappointing, to say the least. So we go from a great high of getting the epic done to a r- reminder that we can't get Sean Strawbridge back on. Because we've had a few folks email in about the uh, the Port of Corpus Christi and what may or may not be going on down there. So um, yeah, no pressure, Nate, but we're calling you up publicly. And the last article we got for today before Mr. Dancy comes on is Exxon considering sale of UK North Sea assets. Uh, now just to clarify here on this report, um, we don't see any sources quoted here. So I don't know exactly how accurate all of this is, but it's certainly interesting to see what Exxon's doing, especially as uh, there are some expectations that we may see them um, making some moves in the Permian uh, pretty soon this year. So uh, this they're selling is said it predicted could be up to $3.1 billion for some uh, Norwegian um, assets. Yeah. And, you know, as Josh said, we're going to, this is quote, citing industry sources. Uh, and then there was another thing. I think that, uh, and, and, you know, I, I'm not, I'm not a big believer in the industry sources thing. You know, it could be, it could be true. could not be true. I do think it is something to, to follow just to see if this does happen, unless this presume this report is correct. Um, you know, then that would mean that the viability of the Permian long-term in Exxon's mind is really substantial. Um, but I would just be shocked to see them do this. But may- maybe so. I don't know. I, I got a feeling our boy Speakner is going to, uh, the Prophet of Doom Speakner will be weighing in on this. Um, but yeah, I'm not I'm not buying it. I'm curious if listeners are buying it. Hit us up. Let us know. Is Exxon going to sell 
their North Sea assets. And also, just to be clear, it could be that this tour was partially true, Josh. They could be looking to sell their North Sea assets, focus on U.S. production, but also buy a separate asset that they're not necessarily talking about. So there could be there could be more to the story than just a simple cut and dry, um, go from A to B type deal. So we'll have to we'll have to see. So. Absolutely, um, Ryan. I actually missed an article. You mentioned Sir, you mentioned Sergio a little earlier, and uh, he did have a report. This is just kind of be a, a Texas Roundup uh, mention here in Canada. They're roaring back to life, and uh, what he has here is that they filed for fourteen drilling permits on its Neil Thirty Nine leases in Upton County. So, fourteen drilling permits in Canada, making some moves uh, out in the Permian. Uh, but being that we've we've reported accurately that he sometimes omits facts, we have to we have to bring it into question now. Um, we had to bring it into question now that maybe someone else had permits too that he didn't mention. So you know, it still stuns me though if you look at those numbers from his report that it's, they're still doubling up every one X on us, and so um, they're so far ahead of the pace right now that it's. Uh, I, I'm curious to see how long they. They keep that pattern. And we've heard some stuff that we can't talk about online about some potential producers who will be ramping up. So be curious to see how those numbers shake out towards the end of the year. Well, guys, uh, looks like Nate was supposed to get on Joe Dancy today. Wow. But, uh, I think- wow. We're trying to get Mount Rushmore, Nate. We're trying to get Mount Rushmore. And, dude, you can't even get the guests on the show. Golly. I mean, Josh, how how in the world? How, I mean, we spend literally fifteen minutes a week prepping for the show, and Nate can't get on a guest. It's like you know, Nate, we put in fifteen hard minutes preparing for the show every week. At least you could do is get a guest on. That's fifteen minutes is a long time of work that we put on the show every week, Josh. I mean, I count recording time, which is like another fifteen minutes. We work thirty minutes a week on the show. The least he could do is book a guest. Internet connection, a couple of keys yeah. on a keyboard. I mean, how hard is it? How hard is it? Can't, can't be that. Can't be that hard. Well, for the listeners out there, you see what we're dealing with. We need a rating. We need a review. We need five stars. I, I don't know what. You're not giving five stars to Nate. We understand that. You're giving five stars to Josh and myself. And it pains me to have to partner with Josh and do like this. But when I'm battling Nate, it's you know it is what it is. So. We need five stars. Maybe that will inspire Nate to go out and book a guest and have them on the show. So um, that's okay. But Joe Dancy, we we were looking forward. I was looking forward to it. Josh, were you looking forward to it? Oh, oh yeah, yeah. it'd be great. It'd been great. Probably been the most informative thing our listeners would have heard this week. But instead, they're not. Now, allegedly, allegedly, we have two guests next week. But at, at this time, I'm not sure if they're coming on or not. I'm not even sure if we'll be here next week or not. But until then, five-star rating review. Oh, hey, I'll be at NAPE this week. Be in Houston. Go down Tuesday night. So if you're in and about NAPE, hit me up on LinkedIn or if you have my number, hit me on the bat line and we can connect. And hopefully next week we should be back. Allegedly, allegedly, we have two guests next week, which means we have none. Um, Josh and I should be here. And until then, keep climbing.